if you have your Bible, um, go to the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bible or you have one of these, go to the book of Ecclesiastes. All right, so... At the end of July, we finished our two, kind of two-year journey through the book of Acts, where we looked at um, the church um, being a witness for Jesus, and we applied it to ourselves and talked a lot about how, as a church, we are called um, to be on mission with Jesus. And Acts was encouraging because it helped us see um, how God has been using our church in this city. But Acts was challenging um, because it reminded us over and over again that we are um, not living in this city for ourselves, but we are here for the mission of Jesus Christ. And so after Acts, the question was, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What are we going to focus on? What book of the Bible are we going to study? And as we thought and prayed about it, we thought that it was fitting for us to dive into the book of Ecclesiastes. I heard some woos. <laughs> and so in the coming weeks, we as a church are going to be studying um, the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, what is this book all about? Well, it's one of the most unusual books in the Bible. Um, it's also very mysterious and difficult to understand. The other thing about the book of Ecclesiastes is that it's often viewed as one of the most depressing books <laughs> in the Bible. Welcome to church. <laughs> and if you're planning on becoming a member of King's Cross Church, welcome. Um, David Guzik, who's a Bible teacher over up north in Santa Barbara, says, as you read the book, it has a spirit of hopeless despair. Landon MacDonald, who um, is a friend of mine, says this about Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a painful, dark book trying to climb life's highest peaks and survive life's lowest valleys. Um, another author said, um, we face in the book of Ecclesiastes the appalling truth that nothing has meaning. Nothing matters under the sun. And so the reason why the book of Ecclesiastes is described in this way is because even though the writer of the book lived life to the fullest, um, the author had everything he had more money, enjoyed more pleasure, and had more human wisdom than anyone else in the world. Um, this particular author describes life as empty and meaningless. Even though he had it all, he remained intensely frustrated with life. And in Ecclesiastes, he captures this. He captures um, the meaningless and the vanity and the uselessness of life here on this earth. And so, what is Ecclesiastes doing in the Bible, and why have we decided to dedicate the next 
several 20-something weeks um, to study in it. Number one, and me, this is me getting help from Riken. He says, Ecclesiastes is honest about life. Okay, as we read it, as we study it, you'll realize that the author is a realist. He's not an idealist. He's very honest. He's very real about life. Number two, Ecclesiastes reminds us of what will happen to us if we choose what the world tries to offer instead of what God has to give. Okay, the world around us is offering us so much. But Ecclesiastes reminds us of what will happen if we choose this world and what it has to offer instead of God and what he offers us in his kingdom. Number three, Ecclesiastes addresses the biggest and hardest questions that people still have today. There are all of us, if you're honest with yourself, and even if you engage with people around you, people have hard and tough questions about life. And Ecclesiastes will tackle all of those. Number four, Ecclesiastes will help us worship the one true God, right? Uh, the, the Ecclesiastes, even though it's in the Bible, doesn't mention God much. But I guarantee as we dive in and explore the themes of Ecclesiastes, it will help us get to that place of, of worshiping the one true God of the Bible. Next, Ecclesiastes will teach us how to live for God and not just for ourselves. And lastly, Ecclesiastes will feed the flames of our love for Jesus. It will definitely do that. And so this morning, we're going to begin our study in this gnarly, depressing, but God-glorifying book of Ecclesiastes. And if you think that's like, oh my gosh, Ecclesiastes is intense, this is how we're going to begin our study in Ecclesiastes this morning, all right? We, all of us together, are going to read the whole book of Ecclesiastes as a church. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? Some of you are like, wait a minute. Again, if you're planning on becoming a member of King's Cross Church, you are welcome. <laughs> Kidding. Why are we doing this? First of all, it's tradition. As a church, whenever we begin a new book to start to do a series on, based on a book of the Bible, we like to just take time in the first week to actually read it all. Um, and the reason we do that is just, man, like we want to get a big picture overview um, of the actual book itself. The other reason we're doing it is, uh, the most, and the most important reason we're doing this, is because the public reading of scripture is a significant practice for God's people. If you look at the Old and New Testament, and if you read your Bible, there are instances where God's people gathered and read Scripture or heard Scripture get read. Not just one passage, but an entire lengthy amount of Scripture. I love 1 Timothy 4.13. Paul says to Timothy, devote yourself 
to the public reading of scripture. It's one of the practices we have the privilege of doing, not just on our own, in our own devotional time, and that is awesome, but we get to do it with other Christians um, in um, contexts like this. Um, Tim McKee from the Bible Project, most of you know him, said this, reading the Bible by yourself can be hard. Um, it's easy to get distracted, but something happens when we hear God's word read aloud and when we're with other people. And that's something he's talking about. It's just God shows up in a unique way. God speaks to us in a unique way. Why? Because God's word is alive. Um, and it's true and it's sharper than any two edges. So there's so many truths and facts about God's word. And in light of all of the, these, why can't we as a church, as Christians, spend more time reading it. Um, I was challenged by this every time we start a new book, and I know we're going to read it all. I am challenged as an individual to spend more time reading God's Word. All right? I have lots of time for other things, okay? And I give 90 minutes to a soccer game because I love football, okay? Easily. But I, if I can be honest, I can't remember the last time I gave 90 minutes to sitting and reading and reflecting on Scripture. And so it's my hope that this morning, as we do this, we will, as a church family, um, cultivate an insatiable thirst and desire for God's Word where I want to get to that place where I'm like, man, I know I'm late to a meeting, but I've got to read another chapter. I know I'm late, but I've got to read another chapter. I want to get to that point. So this is how it's going to work. All of you should have a copy of the book of Ecclesiastes in the English Standard Version. English Standard Version is not me saying it's the only version and the only godly version. No, um, it's my favorite. Of course it is. But as we read it together, we thought it would be a good idea for us to have the same translation. It just helps us follow along. Okay, And so you might have your Bible, which is an ESV, turn to Ecclesiastes, but you should have one of these. And what we've done is provided these so you not just for you to follow along, but for you to really just, as you listen, underline, highlight. We've given you spaces to write notes and journal. We want this time for you to be just meditative and reflective. We are so quick. Life is so quick and busy and we go from one thing to the other and we want this moment for you um, to be a moment where you slow down, listen, read along, reflect, and when God speaks, you want to be able to note it down. All right, so that's the plan. So what's going to happen is we're going to have different people, different members of our church, and they're going to come up and they're going to read a chapter. Okay, and then um, what I want you guys to do is get comfortable, right? You don't have to sit in your seat. You can sit on the floor. You can stand up. You can pace however you want. I want you to be as comfortable as possible um, as we read this incredible book together.
Yeah? Is that all clear? Don't waste this time. All right? Don't waste any other gathering, okay? But this time, don't waste it, right? Grab your pen, grab your phone, whatever, and really begin to pray as long as we um, do this. Let's pray. God, God, thank you so much for this time. Um, as, in, as I pray now, I'm just reminded of so many um, things um, that can distract me, that can distract us. It's crazy. We know that. So, God, I pray that through your spirit, your spirit, uh, you know, authored this book through Solomon. He, um, and so, Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would not only give us focus and attentiveness, but you would give us understanding that you would help us see and value Jesus more as we read this together. And we love you. We love you. We know you've been at work and we know you'll continue to work. Thank you for this opportunity. There's so many people out there that don't have this opportunity to read scripture in this way and in public. And so help us to be grateful for this and help us to expect you to move powerfully. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's read. Chapter 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek out and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I've acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. 
Ecclesiastes 2. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks around in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I have toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave up my heart to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Three. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, 
a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, where there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what has, happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath and man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Chapter four, again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun and behold, the tears of the oppressed and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there, were, there was power and there was none, no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not not, has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after when. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls, hands full of toil and a striving after when. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? 
This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fourth cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been born poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity in a striving after wind. Number five, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow to vow to God, when you vow a vow to God, do not let uh, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay it. Let your mouth lead you. Uh, let your let not. Ooh, that was close. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. If you see a province, uh, the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high officials watch by a higher, and there are higher ones over them. But this is the gain for the land in every way, a king committed to cultivating fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When, God's, when goods increase, they increase who eat them, and what advantage has their owner but to see with uh, his eyes? Sweet the sleep of labor, whether his, he eats little or much, but the, but, the stomach, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun, riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he has a father of a son, but has nothing in his hand. He has come from his mother's womb. He shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. There is also a grievous evil. Just as he has come, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them will accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God, 
for he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with his joy in his heart. Chapter six, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his life are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial. I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet finds its rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to one place? All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man who have, uh, have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Whatever has come to be has already been named, and it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more the words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Chapter 7. A good name is better than precious ointments, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not where, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God, who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful, and in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. 
In my vain life I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off, and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turned my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things, and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes from her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Chapter 8. Who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when men had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This is also vanity. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, and the heart of the children of men is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear God. 
There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And I command joy, for man has nothing better under the sun than to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes sleep, see sleep, then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Chapter 9. But all this I lay to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have also perished, and forever they have no more snare in all that is done, no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments always be white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, but favor, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So, so the children of men are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised, and all his words are not heard. The words of the, of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, 
but one sinner destroys much good. Chapter 10. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your, city, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thought, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you'll find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or, what, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life our vanity.
chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near to which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keeper of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the window are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of the bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and the terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, the desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the will broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, said the preacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote the words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, like nails, firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. That was the awesome reading of God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the time you just gave us to read it together. And so God, as we, um, it's a lot that we heard a lot to process. As we process all of this, may you through your spirit um, highlight and apply um, what we need. We love you so much. We're thankful for um, this time and this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, wow. How are you guys doing? <laughs> what a reading. Um, I had my pen and I was highlighting lots. There was so much wisdom in there. There was so much realness um, as we talked about just the realness of, look, there's a rich man and a poor man. And what's going to happen to them? They're all going to die. <laughs> um, so much wisdom. One of my favorites I heard, which was quite comical, was I think, what, chapter 10? It said, um, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. Why? For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Um, we have a lot to look forward to um, in our study of Ecclesiastes, but how it concludes um, is so sobering. It says, the end of the matter 
or has been heard. Okay? Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And it goes on to say, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I'm looking forward to exploring this book more. Whenever I read Ecclesiastes, I come away thinking, oh my goodness, this is intense. And there's so much to think about. Um, it's not linear in how it's written. Um, it goes here, it goes there, it kind of goes everywhere. But I also, whenever I read Ecclesiastes, come, out, come away thinking, the author is absolutely right. Let's be honest, life is frustrating, and sometimes life seems meaningless. Ecclesiastes is honest about the troubles of life and captures the futility and frustration and the problems of life, but the brutal honesty about life and how meaningless it is causes me, and I'm sure you, if you are a Christian, it causes me to value Jesus more. The more I'm exposed to this life, this futile life, the more I value the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes is a stark reminder of the unfortunate pain of a life without Christ. This book may reveal the hopeless reality of this life, but for those who have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, it should create all in us this next level gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. The bad news is life does suck. It does. The good news is that through Jesus, this life is not all we have, but we have a life without pain or suffering and hopelessness to look forward to. Philip Riken says this, In order to know and enjoy God properly, we first have to see the emptiness of life without him, becoming utterly disillusioned with everything the world has to offer. Ecclesiastes helps us see what life is like without God. Riken goes on to say that Ecclesiastes shows us the absolute vanity of life without God so that we finally stop expecting earthly things to give us lasting satisfaction and learn to live for God rather than for ourselves. The song we sang earlier, um, life is better, right? There is nothing, nothing in this world that is better than you, Jesus. That's what this reminds us of. And so, may we all discover and embrace the life-changing truth that we will never find any true meaning or lasting happiness unless and until we find it in God. So the big questions to start reflecting on is this. Have you been trying to find meaning in something or someone other than Jesus? If you have, my prayer for you and our corporate prayer is that we would find meaning 
in Christ and in him alone. One of my favorite sayings is by Augustine. He says this, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find thy rest in thee. This is a truth that will make us love Jesus more. Let's pray. God, thank you for this reminder. There is nothing in this life that is better than you. Jesus, you are good. So as we have been reminded um, through Ecclesiastes of how life is frustrating and hard and um, just like a, like a vapor, we're here today, we're gone tomorrow. There's just so much of life that is meaningless. As we've been reminded of this, God, I pray that it would lead us and it would inspire us to love and appreciate Jesus more. God, may you help us stop putting all of our thoughts and energies into this world and this earth. And may you place eternity in our minds. So as we sing, as we lift up Jesus Christ, Jesus, may you become more and more valuable to us than anyone or anything. May we treasure you and value you. You are good. Your grace is amazing. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.